0: The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 3, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. The disciples asked Jesus in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, teach us to pray. Now, understand when you're sinking and you reach out to God, there's no wrong way to pray. You know, you're asking God when Peter was sinking in the water when he was going to Christ, he didn't pray right you know you know if he would have been to some prayer seminar they would have showed him how it's done you start with praise you end with worship you ask god's will you know all that stuff that we teach and pe- teachers teach in the body of christ but here he is instead sinking saying save me i perish Blah blah blah, blah, blah. instead of amen you could hear the blub as he's going down and jesus did not say pray to the hand that's not how it's done i'm ignoring you you're praying all wrong he pulled him out and then he rebuked him. He said, you little faith, why did you doubt? So God will always pull you out. But when you're not sinking, there's a way to pray that will not only rescue you because you don't need rescuing. So you've been rescued. But it will take you into a real change and a miracle in your life. I'm going to teach you how to pray a prophetic prayer. Prophecy is not a prediction of the future, even though it has an element of that. Prophecy is a revelation of God's will. It reveals God's will, past, present, or future. So uh, I want to show you by, by a prayer in the Old Testament that shook a nation, brought rain during a time of drought, and I live in the part of California that was the worst, if any, hit by the drought because we're such an area of agriculture and it was nice to see some of the reporters in our area look in the camera and say well the drought is over this rain hasn't there goes my house and it was nice to see well that's over but in 1st Kings chapter 18 and verse 41 uh, I'm going to read the uh, end of a drought because I'm believing for a spiritual end to a drought in your life whatever need you have there's abundance of blessings coming to your life Miracles are coming to your life. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 41. Let's find that please if we would. And Elijah said to Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink and Elijah came up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth, put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now. Look toward the sea. In other words, take a look, see if you see any, anything up in the sky, a cloud or something. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say to Ahab the king, prepare your chariot, Get thee down that the rain stop thee not because it's going to pour. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Now I want you to learn to pray a prophetic prayer. This prayer that this man of God prayed made something so great happen that the drought ended It began to pour rain. Hope was restored to an area that was devastated with need. But here are the elements of that prayer. Listen carefully because if you put these ingredients in your prayer, the same thing can happen. First of all, a prophetic prayer has proclamation. Proclamation. He proclaimed, I hear the sound of rain. You don't hear the sound of rain till it's raining. And there wasn't a cloud in the sky when he said, I hear the sound of rain. What was he doing? He was proclaiming. You need before prayer to start proclaiming some things that are so out there, so impossible, so crazy, that the people will say, how can you be hearing rain if there isn't even a cloud in the sky? Because he could hear it in the spirit. We need to tune our spiritual ear to hear the voice of God. It's too easy and it's a cop out when believers say God doesn't talk to me. It's easier to say God doesn't talk to me than to say I'm not listening to him. Yeah. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He did not say I'm going to talk to my sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me he's always speaking but the sheep are not always hearing he's speaking he knows what to do in your situation he knows what course of action and what decision to make here we are his sheep we hear his voice he says watch out for that pitfall and the sheep hear, and we go around oh yeah yeah we just avoided a fall because we hear his voice and we follow we obey watch out for that stumbling stone and we hear his voice and we follow oh yeah let me go around that We would avoid a lot of falls, a lot of failures, a lot of mess ups if we learn to tune our spiritual hearing to hear the voice of God and what God is doing. He'll speak to you about the attacks of the enemy before they come. He'll speak to you about that legal situation and how to win it. He'll speak to you about your family. He'll let you know what's up if we learn to hear his voice and people Crazy, some of the things that people do to understand the will of God. I want 20 prophets to prophesy it to me, God. Lord, if your answer is yes, I want to see two blue, blue Volkswagens at that stop sign up ahead. And if your answer is no, I want to see three blue Volkswagens at that stop sign. And I get there, and there's no car, not blue, orange, or anything. God doesn't talk to me. God does talk, but He doesn't speak Volkswagen. See what we do, we put these fleeces before God all the time. Lord, if you are will to help me at work, uh, kill my boss. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Friday after he signs a check. Yeah, we put these crazy fleeces before God and then we say stuff like, well, I do that because I want God to speak to me in a way I can understand. You got it backwards. God wants you to learn to understand him the way he speaks. And he doesn't speak to the ear. And he doesn't speak to the carnal eye. This man said, I hear the sound of rain coming. Because he was tuned in to hear with the ear of the spirit. The Bible says that God is spirit. And if he is spirit, then his voice is spiritual. And if you learn to tune and see right in here, there are radio waves right here. There's TV waves. There's cellular waves. They're in the air. If you could see them, it would be so cloudy in here. We couldn't see each other. But if you have a receiver of some kind and it's tuned in to the right frequency, you can pick it up. God's always speaking. We just got to be tuned in as sheep and hear his voice and we'll know what's up. We need to proclaim by faith start hearing with these ears and say rain is coming a miracle is coming he said king you go and eat and drink, go to your palace and relax because I hear rain coming you know we got to do that that's why I'm so excited you guys continually talk about how much you love your city you can't win somebody that you don't love some people, I can't win that type of people because you hate them that's why. And God's not angry at even your enemies, God's not mad at them. Even the one that owes you money, God loves him, believe it or not. He's not upset with him. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, because you got to give people hope. I've been in the ministry now 50 years. And when I was young, I was raised in a church that if you didn't know if you were going to hell or not, after you heard the pastor preach, you were sure you were going to go to hell. It was condemning, hit you on the head with a Bible, let you know what's wrong with your life as if none of us already do. And, And people need hope. He said, King, relax. God's got your back. He's got this under control. You go eat, drink, relax. Because I hear rain coming. The drought is about to end. The violence is about to stop. The gangs are about to get saved. The drug addict's going to stop dealing. He's going to start handing out Bibles. Yeah. You give people hope. That's what the message of the good news is, the gospel. And that's what he did with the king. That's what we need to do. We need to tell people that are under financial ruin because look, there's a difference between truth and reality. The reality may be that you're broke. But the truth is that God supplies all your need according to His riches and glory. The reality may be that your body is sick, but the truth is that He is the God that healeth thee, and by His stripes you're healed. You may be in the middle of a battle, but the truth is that He's promised to always give you the victory and triumph. You may be broke, but you're broken, but you're going to be restored. You may be without any purpose in your life. God has direction for you you may be depressed but God has promised joy full of joy somebody say amen abundance of joy my kids are a mess that may be the reality but the truth of God says that your family is going to be saved and they're all going to serve the Lord you may be in a drought but abundance of rain is coming get people give them hope Preach to them. Let them know that God is not nervous about the way the economy is going. That God's not nervous and doesn't know what to do about the violence. Tell them I hear the answer. I see the answer. I hear it and see it. It's coming. We're hearing it in the spirit. So first thing you got to do in praying a prophetic prayer is proclaim something. Not a cloud in the sky. Rain is coming. The doctor says what you have is incurable. Healing is coming. Somebody's so depressed and nothing can help him. Joy is coming to your life. Well, how do you know that? Because I'm proclaiming it. Start proclaiming some stuff. And proclaim big. Yeah, I mean, somebody said, Pastor, I just want God to give me a, a little business of my own. A little business of my own. Why not a big business? Oh, no, I don't think you can do that. I'm not ready for that. You don't have the big one or the small one. It doesn't cost any more faith to believe for something big. Remember what I talked about last night. The disciples are upset because their nets weren't full. Jesus didn't want to fill their nets. He wanted to fill their boats until they were sinking. We're asking too small. We're believing too little. And God won't get involved until it's in the area of the miracle or supernatural. Start proclaiming something. My family is going to be saved that tumor is going to disappear my bills are going to get paid there's going to be peace in my home god's going to restore my family proclaim it that's a prophetic prayer starts with a proclamation and if you're not proclaiming something then your prayers are are throwing you're throwing them up against the ceiling proclaim something what are you believing for what do you think god can do That's what he did. Rain is coming. And I hear the, and he didn't just say rain was coming. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. It's going to pour. Now, secondly, a prophetic prayer has uh, not only proclamation, but it has sacrifice. He told the king, go relax, go eat, and go drink. But he didn't do that doesn't say he said okay king let's go let's eat and drink let's relax because the answer is coming he put the king's heart at ease but he went to mount carmel to pray that his proclamation would come to pass it's wonderful when god gets a hold of a person but it's more wonderful when a person knows how to get a hold of god he said you go Where are you going? Aren't you going to come to the palace and eat and drink and relax? And oh no, no, no. I got something to do. Pray my prophecy into existence. Pray my proclamation into happening. Yeah, he sacrificed. Listen, he told the king to relax, but he knew his job was to intercede. I'm going to send this out right now. If you have a calling to be an intercessor, you may as well forget about a normal life. And the Lord showed me early in January that there are many intercessors that have abandoned the prayer closet because they're under attack physically. All they can think of is I got to get well, I got to get well. And that is a detour of the enemy. And when you start seeing it as what it is, that fiery dart's going to be pulled out of your life. There are some people that are called to be an intercessor and for whatever reason, for a reason of an attack of gossip, attack against their body, or find something has happened and has taken them out of intercessory prayer. Listen, you pray when other, when others play that 's how you know you're an intercessor. You intercede when others waste time. You fast when others feast it's your calling, and I'm sorry there's no way around it. If you have a calling to be an intercessor, you are going to have burdens on you someday, some days that are only going to be lifted when you get down on your knees close the door to your prayer closet and intercede alone with God. And the Bible says that the father that sees in secret will reward you openly. Yeah. He said, "Uh, you go there, I'm going to go and pray. He was confident in his ability to pray his prophecy into reality. So he said, go and relax. I'm going to pray this happen. God, (laughs) send the rain We need intercessors. And the intercessors that have a calling, you need to be interceding. God forgive us when we've been politicking instead of interceding. God forgive us when we've been relying on the flesh. Intercessors, God has not called you as an intercessor to criticize, to uh, administrate unless that's uh, your job. God has called you to pray, to intercede. And can I say something, if you have a calling of an intercessor, sometimes people don't understand this. God reveals things to prophets, people who have a prophetic gift, and sometimes reveals the same thing to an intercessor, but for two different reasons. To the prophet or prophetic, he reveals it to proclaim it and give direction and give solution. But to the intercessor, God reveals it to them so they can pray. Not to try to fix it. Not to try to uh, make it happen. Not to go and say this is what God is showing me. But sometimes you got to keep it between you and God. He's revealing it to you so you can pray. If you are an intercessor, get back into your calling of prayer. God's move depends on it. Leadership in the body of Christ depends on it. Government depends on it. God needs you to spend time in intercessory prayer. Now he went to his special place. Everybody needs a special place for prayer. Where is that at your house? Now his was in Mount Carmel. <laughs> I've actually been to the Holy Land a couple of times. I went to Mount Carmel in one of them and it's not an easy climb. It's not an easy climb. It wasn't, it's not now. It wasn't then. But he knew that once he got up there, head between his knees, he would spend time there. Now, that climb up represents how hard it is sometimes to pray. Uh, I mean, it's a lot easier to just pray at church. We hold hands and praise God, it feels so good to agree with somebody. Yeah, 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 all that. But Jesus said, the father that sees in secret, said when you lock yourself up in prayer, talking about intercessory prayer, close the door behind you. If it were today, Jesus would be saying, Unplug the phone. Put it on silent. Unplug the computer. Shut off all three or four TV sets, even the smart set. Ignore the door. Take the dog to the backyard and everything away. And the father that sees in secret will reward you openly. There at Mount Carmel, he knew he would be alone. Get alone with God. The father sees in secret, it says in Matthew 6, 4. He cast himself before the earth, head between his knees. The earth, head down, is a sign of humility. And this was a position that he could be in for a long time. And when you're praying an intercession, get comfortable because it's going to take a while. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, how long do I have to pray? It's not measured by minutes. It's measured by steps. Sometimes you can walk right into the Holy of Holies. It takes less time. Sometimes it takes more time because you probably got in a fight with somebody. you got to shake the dust off your shoes from everything you did all day. I learned from my mother in the healing ministry, Catherine Kuhlman. I sat under her ministry for a long time. I learned, and she said, Oh, the service does not begin at 7 o'clock p.m. Oh, no, 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 don't believe it for a moment. It doesn't start at 7. Sometimes I'll go places and they will say, Pastor, you know, I'll be in a place I've never been. I'm going to preach. I say, we're going to show you this, our place. We're going to take you here, there. And, and we were at New Mexico the other day, finally a place that there's nothing to see. Um, no, seriously, I was in Taos. There's nothing to see. But they were going to show it to me anyway. <laughs> and uh, we'll get you back by 6 o'clock. You can shower and get ready. I, you know, no, <laughs> I'm not here to sightsee. I'm here because I want to see God move. And I would rather close myself up during prayer time and get somebody healed at night and see somebody respond to the call of salvation to see chains be broken. Yeah. And, and it's not measured by hours. It's measured by steps. And the less you do in the day, the more you can enter quickly into the presence of God because you got less stuff to shake the dust off your shoes. Here it is. This is important for you. When you lock yourself up and disconnect, you are connecting with God. There's no pretense. There's no masks. God knows you're there. He knows you. You know He knows you. He knows that you know that He knows that you know that He knows that you know that He knows knows you. No pretension. No masks. No put on. How spiritual we are in front of everybody until the door closes and you're alone with God. God, I'm no good. That's why you're on your knees. That's how we come to God. We don't come to God saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you a chance now. I even hate the bumper sticker that says, give Jesus a chance. Have you seen that one? Give Jesus a chance. Like somebody, okay, God, I'm going to give you a chance, Jesus. And Jesus in heaven says, line up angels. We can't miss this opportunity. This guy is giving me a chance. If we blow this, he's never going to believe in me. No, that's not going to happen. Lock yourself up and pray. What are you praying for? What kind of rain? What kind of miracle are you believing for? Is it worth locking up? Is it worth closing the door? Is it worth investing time? It doesn't have to be long. But sometimes God just wants an appointment with you. You know, people don't set an appointment with God. You make an appointment with your dentist. You make an appointment with the doctor. My fingernails are going to be done. You need an appointment. You know sometimes why God, we don't hear God's voice. Not that he's not speaking. Is We we don't set up an appointment. He doesn't know where to find us. Remember when Paul on the road from Damascus, the light knocked him down. I, I hear people all the time preaching that he fell off his horse. The Bible says he was walking. I don't know where he got his horse. But when he landed on the ground, the Bible says that he was blind. And then he was taken. Someone said, i got to look that up. Yeah, look it up. Just, there's, there's no horse involved at all. And, and as, he, as he was taken blind to a house, there's this man named Ananias, not the same one, it's believed, that was Sapphira's husband. Who was in prayer one morning like he always did. And God says, get up, go lay hands on Paul, Saul of Tarsus, who's blind. I know who that is. That guy doesn't like Christians. Go and pray for him. This man was not a healing evangelist. He was not a pastor even. He was just a man that God knew where he was, how to get a hold of him, how to give him some marching orders, Because he knew he's there at a certain time. Go, I know where to get a hold of you. Does God know where to get a hold of you? Where's your Mount Carmel? Where's your prayer place? He did that. He went up and he prayed, send rain. Prophetic praying also has perseverance. Now, Jesus taught us about perseverance with that judge right there. That guy the Bible says, was not a righteous judge. He didn't like righteousness. Imagine that. A judge that doesn't like righteousness. Is that possible? Yeah, that was one of them. And every day this lady would go and say, do justice, my enemy's messing with me. But because he didn't care about justice, he kept ignoring her. And Jesus said, he finally said, man, if I don't do justice to this old lady, she's going to wear me out. The Lord said, if... An unrighteous judge did judge righteously because of a woman wouldn't stop or leave him alone. How much more a righteous God will answer if you don't give up? Be not weary in well-doing, the Bible says, because we shall reap in due season. There's that season revelation again. If we faint not. The problem is some people throw in the towel and faint right before their due season. The blessing is coming and we say, that's it. I already prayed three times. I even wrote, I even wrote to Benny Hinn about this and nothing happened. Oh God. I prayed three times. Many people give up too soon. Nothing's changing. Everything's remaining the same. No, don't you quit either. The Bible says, that he prayed and prayed and he sent his servant, go out and look towards the ocean, see if you see any clouds. And it says it sent him seven times. Came back saying, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Go again, again, again. And he came out, nothing, again. Seven, seven times, seven. Seven has always represented the number of completion. The perfect number, the number of God. The number that he created everything in six days and rested on the seventh because he was finished with his task. There comes a perfect time and if you hold on to God's perfect time, the miracle is yours. Yeah. Oh, I, I already asked him. You know, our problem is we're a microwave generation. My mother just was on the tail end of that microwave generation before it started. She was... An old-fashioned lady who said, don't give me no microwave. Give me one of those wood stoves. I love that stuff. Yo hago tortillas a mano, hechas a mano, pero una estufa de leña. She prided herself on being that. But one Mother's Day, I got her a uh, microwave oven. She used it so much, seriously, she literally burned out the fuse on that thing. She burned out the fuse. She used it so much. (gasps) Mi hijo. It doesn't half hour what used to take me two hours. Yeah. And then they got better and faster. And that's, our, that's us, you know. We want everything quick and fast like that. Boom, boom. Chocolate milk. You mix chocolate powder with water. That's not chocolate. My mother used to make chocolate. And it used to take hours. It would smell the whole neighborhood. It was thick. She'd put in canela, the sticks of cinnamon and, and I, dirt. I don't know what else she'd put in. It was thick and good stuff. Today there's a silly rabbit advertising, chocolate powder, mix it with water. Powdered milk, mix it with water. Powdered orange juice, mix it with water. A man from another country said, but when I saw baby powder, well, I said, what a country, whoa. <laughs> Everything instant. It's a drive-through. Some of you are old enough to remember the 50s. My older brother was. I was born in the 50s, so I don't remember that I was a baby in the 60s, but the drive-in was invented. Yeah, just, you just pull in. You didn't have to get out of your car girls in roller skates would bring your hamburger to you. That, that was so modern. Whoa, man, this is cool. And then somebody invented the drive through You don't even have to stop the car. You just go to the drive through and you order at the window, I want three cheeseburgers, two fries. <laughs> three cheeseburgers and two fries. I'm sorry, we don't sell rice. Not rice, fries. We don't have rice. Not rice, fries. Pull up to the window. You pay window one, window two, they throw it at you. Two blocks away. They gave me rice. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, what's next? Drive-through, what's next? The flyby? Three blocks away, they catch, they throw the burgers at you. Or maybe some digital thing that every car is going to be invent, have, put in and all of a sudden you order it by Bluetooth. And it appears in your car. I don't know what's next. But if it's fast, if it's cheap, we're, we'll buy it. And sometimes we bring that into our Christianity. We say, well, I saw a lady at a jack-in-the-box. God help her. Ordered like 16 tacos and all kinds of stuff and got mad because she had to wait four minutes. She was mad. I have been waiting half hour. The little timer said four minutes. Well, that timer is wrong. We're like that. We, we want something instant. And, and you know, God's biggest miracles happen instantly or they happen through a process that ends up in a instant looking miracle. Yeah. It's a, and we have to say thank you Lord. Well how come he doesn't pull me out of it right away? Sometimes God doesn't answer our way or pull us out in our timing because he's got a better plan. Sadrach, Mesach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. I've heard people preach it wrong. And God pulled them out. No he didn't. It says the opposite. He left them in and he walked in there with them. So if God doesn't, if sometimes God doesn't pull you out of your fiery furnace instantly because he's got a better plan. He's got something else. What's a bigger miracle? Pulling you out of the fire and not getting burned or staying in the fire and not getting burned? He can keep you in the fire and you won't get burned. You won't fall. You won't fail. You won't die ahead of time. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't ever say I already tried. Because the prophetic prayer has perseverance. You're ready to continue. You're not going to quit. Now the devil is a quitter. Most people don't realize when the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. That if you resist him in that area that you're resisting. He's going to quit, give up and he'll flee. Just make sure he flees before you do that he gives up before you do. The harder I hit this Christian, the more fiery darts against him, the more he prays. He's a devil, but he's not dumb. He's going to leave you alone in that area if it's drawing you closer to God. A prophetic prayer has hope. I love that he says, go and look. Go and look. What was he doing? He was looking for the answer. I know people who pray and really don't expect the answer they pray for something, it happens and they say, you're not going to believe this. But I asked God and he answered. I asked for a job and I got it. I feel better after I pray. They totally freak out when God answers. What were you expecting? He was praying but looking toward the sky. Whatever you're asking for, look for the answer. Don't look at what hasn't happened yet. Don't look at what happened to somebody else in your situation. Talked about that last night. Don't look at the wall. It has hope. Start believing what you're asking for. Believe that it's going to happen. Look for the signs. Look for the answer. Now, here it is. A prophetic prayer also knows how to read the signs. You know, if you don't know how to read signs, you're going to get lost, especially in California. In Southern California, there's a sign that says towards Sacramento. Now, if you don't know, from, you're from out of state, you don't know where Sacramento is. You don't know if you're going north or south. Go to the next one. Is, it, is There it is. Here's some signs, okay? If you don't know how to read these signs, you know, a car merging on the right. If you're, if you're in a truck that's 14 feet high and you don't know how to read that, you're going to hit. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, God, there's a, there's a flag up ahead. I guess I'm supposed to hit that guy in the orange. Go to the next sign. Uh, these are real signs. No U-turn to the right. Be careful of falling rocks. Next sign. Do you have another one? I like this one. <laughs> Tractor crossing. Horseback yeah, Let's Let's see. Do I have another one up there? These are real by the way. Good luck that one says. Caution. Falling cows. Chick-fil-A missed it. They could have used that. The one behind it is drunks passing. You can't see it because the cow's in the way. Yeah. These are signs. You know, most Christians don't know how to read the signs that God puts up. They read signs and they think that's the answer. A sign is not the answer. A sign is a sign that the answer is coming. And people get discouraged when they interpret a sign as the answer. If he would have said, go look again. And he finally comes back and he said what we read. I see a little cloud like the hand of a man. Little cloud. Most of us would say, God, that's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for black clouds and a lot of rain. What's this tiny little cloud that wasn't the answer? That was a sign. Everything big starts small. Jesus said, the size of like a mustard seed. Faith. Now, here's that faith sermon again. People are trying to have big faith. God, I need more faith. Give me faith. Don't ask God for faith. I shared last night. The Bible says God has given to everyone a measure of faith. You have faith. In fact, if you say, God, give me faith, this is his answer. I already gave you faith. Well, give me more faith. Use what I gave you first. It's not the size of your faith in God. It's the size of the God you put your faith in. People are trying to have big faith in God. All you need is a little faith in a big God. If you have a plug in the wall and you put a wire that's bare touching both sides at the same time and plug it in, somebody will say, wow. That is a powerful wire. You and I know that it's not the little wire. It had something to do with it. But it's the plug where it was connected. And that's your faith. It's not the size of your faith. It's the size of God that you put your faith in. It's small. And you have enough. You have enough to be healed, to be forgiven, for your life to start new for your marriage to be restored, for your family to be renewed, for your finances to be cured, you have a little bit of faith. Most people talk about the mustard seed in relevance to its size, but we forget about how powerful a mustard plant is. If you plant roses next to a mustard plant, the roses will smell like mustard. And the reason, because though it's small, It influences everything around it. That's a mustard seed. That's your faith. Your faith can do awesome things, even if it's small. Recognize it was the hand of God. I see a little cloud, but it was shaped like a hand. That's when he said, that's it. God's hand is in my situation. He didn't say, I'm not asking for that, God. That's not what I'm begging you for. I'm asking for you to save my son. He's not saved yet. He stopped cussing, but at least that. But he's not saved yet. That's not the answer. That's the sign. It's small. God, I'm asking you for a miracle in my finances. They gave me a dollar an hour raise. That's not what I'm asking for. That's not the answer. That's a sign. Read the signs. That little sign is showing that God's hand is at work on your behalf. And he works behind the scenes. He works sometimes better behind the scenes because we don't get in the way of what he's doing. You need to do what he did when he said, that's it. He rejoiced and said, go tell the king, get ready and take off because the rain's gonna stop him. And while he did that, then that little sign became the answer the bible says the 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 sky was black and it began to pour rain and that was the answer it started with a sign i've seen a lot of miracles in my life and ministry but i never needed one myself until a few years ago when we were doing some work of construction in the offices and church building that we have in sanger it's an old building built in the 20s, so we had a lot of reconstruction to do to it. And I took a fall. And in it, I hung on to a rafter with this hand. And my uh, muscle, my, or uh, well, what is it called? The bicep disconnected from the elbow, and it popped all the way up here. The blood inside turned this immediately swollen and purple. The pain was, ugh! Unbearable. And and here I am with this arm like this, the rested in a lot of pain, ran to the doctor who said, oh, it doesn't look good. I know that. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. You want to know how it feels? After x-rays, it showed that the blood a few days later had, inside had messed up my tenants and the nerve endings were... Corrupted, and here I am with this. The doctor said you're gonna start losing mobility. You have a window of about three months, at the most. You gotta get this surgery. They're gonna take a bicep from a dead man, attach it, and I said to my wife, honey, <laughs> if he was a bi- wife beater, I-, I don't know what's gonna happen to my arm. I don't. <laughs> she says, Will you be serious? Nobody knew except a few of my leaders and the doctor said atrophy will set in. It's going to be small, maybe half the size of the other one. You can amputate if you want that. It's going to look bad. You won't be able to use it. I wish I could say I had perfect faith. I was scared. So wait a minute, I use puppets. I won't be able to do that. I lay hands on the sick. What am I going to do? Lay elbow on them, see if they get well? I play the keyboard. what's gonna happen? I got scared, and I had never experienced that before. I've always been a faith preacher. you know, take two of these and call me in the morning here's the here's the the recipe. here's the answer. I got really scared i said i i, I can't and we didn't have the money to have that expensive surgery, so now we gotta raise that and and it was an expensive surgery, and it was I was going to have to be in a sling for six months and then for a whole year I couldn't use it but a sling for six months and then begins therapy to begin to use it again. I so, said, man, I've got revivals and preaching and churches and, and ministry to do it. And, and in that, I get a call from Brownsville, Texas, a ministry there that I used to go every year to and Matamoros across the border. And the pastor says, you got to come. We're going to have this and we're going to do this promotion. And I didn't want to tell him, but I booked it. And then a few days later, I called him back. I said, you know, I don't want to tell you why. Just trust me. I can't go. Because either I was going to get a surgery or I was going to have an atrophy set into my arm. He said, why? You got it? Oh, he says, guess who's going to be there the first night with us? And I said, who? Juanita Rivas. Now I did not remember Juanita Rivas because Juanita Rivas went across the border into Matamoros some years ago when I was preaching and sat at the very front row and she had exactly that. Her little arm went into a machine that she worked for Levi Strauss and Company in Brownsville, broke everything in her arm, every bone and every tendon in there. And, and when she came to that service, it had been three years and her little hand was like this. And I remember, I said, she's going to be there. He says, yes, you remember that testimony? Yes, I do. I remember I was preaching, and in the middle of preaching, I see her in the front, and she starts shaking. She's in the front row. She got there an hour early because she knew she was going to be healed. And she started shaking and shaking, and I said, stand her up. Bring her up here. Some of the ushers brought her up there, and they took the sling off of her. And and we all saw as that tiny little hand opened up, looked like somebody put a straw in it and inflated it. To the normal size this was a powerful miracle she called her doctor immediately the next morning and said you it was a uh, it happened on a third uh, on a thursday night she called him friday and he says come and see me monday he says no no you're you got to see this today you're not going to believe what happened and he said well I'll come tomorrow he went she went to his office saturday walks in the doctor is freaked what's up with your hands says that's what i'm trying to tell you god healed me god god healed you yes since you're you you're on disability you can't move that arm, and she starts doing all of this stuff he's totally blown by it he and his whole family went to church that night and they all gave their heart to the lord yeah you know why god does stuff for us so we'll proclaim it and let others know the biggest part of her miracle wasn't even that She went back to Levi Strauss to get her job back after three years of being disabled. They gave her her job back with benefits as if she had never been gone. The doctor who saw her in San Antonio that she went to, the specialist who wanted to amputate, wrote a letter and said, I don't understand it, but a miracle has happened in this woman's arm. He was a Christian doctor. Praise the Lord for Christian physicians. He said, I've never seen it, but I believe this, and now my eyes have seen it. She got her job back with that letter. And in that company, there were signs everywhere in the common areas that said, no talking religion and no talking politics. And in that place, here comes her boss one day and says, Juanita, just take today and tomorrow off you're paid, but go department by department, telling everybody what God did to your arm. Everybody wants to know. So the pastor's talking to me on the phone. And he says she's going to be the first night to testify, to take that. And and I'm thinking, this was God because that was what was supposed to happen to me. I said I'm going to go, and I went. Didn't let anybody know. Kept my coat on, and it was—I was already losing mobility in it. And when I'd preach and minister to people, nobody knew I was ministering to people. And when I'd get back to the hotel, the pain was unbearable. The—it the, looked like it was dying. And then I came back, got into a minister's meeting—not a prayer meeting. It was a boring <laughs> business meeting. And as I got into that business meeting, in the city of Lodi, a pastor who was there said, it's good to see Roy De La Garza here. Brother, you don't know me. But in 1492 or one of these years, he says, a long time ago, he's 80-something, he said, you prayed for me in San Francisco. I remembered, oh, yeah, I had a crusade in the Victory Hour in San Francisco back then. In fact, it was your dad that took me to uh, that time. Uh, um, what's his name? It, Gilbert Alcala was the pastor there, yeah. And he said, I was there and God healed me. And he starts giving his testimony in the business meeting. And when he's sharing what God did for him, all of a sudden I feel this heat in my hand. Someone I prayed for last night said I feel warmth all over my body. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I felt this heat like burning all over here. I kept quiet. This was the business meeting. I didn't want to say, glory. But But I was being healed. Isn't it nice God says, let me see, a business meeting, and I can't heal. Heal, you know, Jesus healed on Saturday and freaked out the religious people. And they criticized him and they couldn't heal on Tuesday. So this is burning up and we get back home and I told my wife, Annie, honey, I don't know what happened, but since that man gave that testimony, my arm is on fire. She says, what's, what's happening? I said, I don't know. Either God is healing me or atrophy starting to set in already, I don't know. I wish I could say I had perfect faith. But the pain left. Two days later, as they put me in that MRI tube, which is usually worse than the disease, they stick me in there, pull me out. The following day, the doctor calls and says, Ah, uh, get in here right away. I thought maybe he wants to do the surgery. Now, even though I had no pain, I had mobility. And he says, I don't know what happened. But atrophy is not going to hit your arm. All of your tendons, your nerves, your muscles are intact. The infection that was growing in there is gone. I said, wait a minute, what are you saying? He says, well, the muscles still disconnected. And by the way, let me show it to you. Let me show it to you. The difference. This is a normal bicep. This is a disconnected bicep. It's not here. It's up here. And it first jumped up here. And the doctor says, it's going to look funny, but you're going to be able to do everything you've always done. I said, wait a minute. You mean I'll be able to use my puppets? Yes. I'll be able to play the keyboard? Yes. I'll be able to play the guitar? Yes. Oh, good, because I've never been able to play the guitar. So, sorry, I, I went for it. He says, Pastor De La Garza, you have a funny sense of humor. What I'm saying to you is you don't need this surgery if you can live with the limitations. I said, what are the limitations, doctor? He says, well, first, you'll never be able to turn a key or a screwdriver because the muscle that controls that is disconnected. That's the only thing. So I looked at him, he said, so this movement. Yeah, he says, that, you can't do that. I want to understand, I can't do this. He says, that's right, it's not like it's going to hurt. The muscle that controls that movement is disconnected, so you will not be able to turn a key or a screwdriver. You can't do that. So I said, this that I'm doing, I can't do. Right, that that you're doing, you can't do. Doctor, I'm doing it, I see. You're not supposed to be able to do that, but you're doing it. I said, well then, I'm healed. He said, yes, you are. I promised God that I was going to play the keyboard more, use more puppets, lay hands on people. Freely you have received. The Lord said, freely give. Because I'm not supposed to be able to do that. I'm not supposed to be able to lift my hand. I have no restrictions. I have no pain. I can do things that they, that they told me. I, first thing I did was I bought something at a, at a Kia and put it together. When I did that, I knew I was healed. And man, did I ever feel smart. That miracle did something to my life that all the faith preaching has never done. It let me know that his healing touch is real. It's not a theory. It's not a doctrine. It's not something to just believe or makes for a pretty Christian conversation. His healing touch is real. And I had seen it in others, but when I experienced this, I said, God, now what I received, I want to give. I lay this right hand on people and I remember I'm not supposed to be able to do that. And some of you'll notice when I pray for someone who's sick, I never say, oh, Father, please come and heal him. Wouldest thou cometh and healeth this personeth? I know God would say, whateth are you talkingeth abouteth? I say to the disease, I say to the sickness, I speak to the mountain and say, move, be healed in the name of Jesus. He did it for me. He'll do it again. Be healed by the stripes on Jesus' back. Be healed. We're going to pray some prophetic prayers. Some of you need to pray a prophetic prayer over your family. It starts with a declaration. What are you declaring? Declare something. Declare something crazy. Something impossible. Something that will make the devil tremble. Oh no, that's not going to happen. Yes, it is, devil. I'm going to make some declarations. And I'm not going to give up. I'm going to believe that they're happening. Stand to your feet right now. I need to stop. I feel a gift of faith rising up in this place. Some people are ready to make some amazing proclamations right now. It's going to start with this, with the proclamation. What the enemy doesn't want you to do is trust God. You're going to trust him. He's going to do something amazing in your life. Praise the Lord. There's someone that's about to lose their family before the court system. And the Lord is not only going to vindicate you, but even the mistakes you did make are part of the past not part of the future God's not holding it against you instead He's created in you a new heart and you're going to win that battle and you're going to lose yourself in God's presence you're going to be saturated with His favor but you're going to win in Jesus name there's someone else that suffers such anxiety and bouts of depression and you love God But this anxiety and depression, these fiery darts that the Bible calls them. Fiery darts, they're going to be pulled out today. I am declaring that your body is healed in the name of Jesus. In fact, I want those who have pain in their body somewhere right now. I want to pray for you first. First, I commend you for being in church and not letting pain keep you away. If you're in pain, wherever it is. Legs, back, neck, shoulders, arms.